Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Our special guests for today's live performance are the musicians of the Roscoe String Quartet, the official graduate string quartet of the University of Utah. They're Melissa Combe and Jacob Hofer on violin, Lauren Posey cellist, and Sonny Johnson viola. The quartet's primary coach is Dr. Hasa Borup, and the group regularly competes and concertizes throughout Utah and the United States. Most recently, they attended the exclusive Juilliard String Quartet Seminar in New York City and performed at Lincoln Center. Also, a recent honor was being named the 2013-2014 Nova Young Artists Ensemble. We'll ask more about those experiences in just a minute, but first, let's begin with a little bit of music. This is the String Quartet by Joseph Haydn, number 63, the nickname The Sunrise, and we get to hear the first movement, the one that gives it its nickname, a rising theme over sustained chords. Here is the Roscoe String Quartet.
You're listening to Highway 89, a music performance program broadcast live from the Classical 89 studios. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. We just heard the Roscoe Quartet sing, uh, sing, perform the first movement of Joseph Haydn's Sunrise String Quartet, number 63, his opus 76. Jacob Hofer, thank you for being with us. You're one of the violinists. And I have to ask right off, if I close my eyes, I am hearing exactly what people heard in 1796. Well, <clears throat> I can't say that for sure because I wasn't alive back then, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe modern instruments are slightly more in tune, but the yes. technology hasn't changed, really. That is absolutely true. Yeah, it's the same process that uh, that was back then. I was closing my eyes and white wigs were appearing, everything. <laughs> you went and you played recently in New York as part of an event at Juilliard. And what was that experience like? Is, is that kind of a pinnacle for a string quartet? Absolutely. It was... Uh... It was a pinnacle for each one of us, I would say. We, we had a great time out there and had uh, some of the best instruction, I think, that we've had in our whole lives. Um, it was a great experience. Yeah. So do you work with one individual director, or do you have different people who are experts on your own instrument working with you? Uh, each group at the seminar was assigned uh, two members to work with of the, of the Juilliard String Quartets. We worked with uh, Ronald Copes, who's the second violinist, and also Joel Krosnick, the cellist. And what do you think you got out of that experience? Well, I've been thinking about that a lot because there are many things that they, they told us. But I think the number one thing for me was um, they really helped us to learn how to discover the music on our own, um, to look at the score not as uh, a set of instructions, um, but uh, uh, kind of uh, clues to discover the real intentions of the composer uh, so that we can get a little deeper into the music and find out why are we playing this crescendo or you know, mm. why do we want this sound here? What was the composer going for rather than just blindly following the dynamics just because they're there or anything on the page because it's there. 
All of you have obviously spent years playing in large orchestras as well. So is the music actually written differently for a string quartet than when you're part of an entire string orchestra? Uh, I would say yes, the music is is fairly different. Um, first of all, you have a lot, many more components in an orchestra. You know, there's a lot more instruments to deal with, but um, the sound of a string quartet is much more intimate, so you have this four-voice texture. Um, so you're kind of like a soloist in a lot of ways in a string quartet, whereas in an orchestra you have a section. Maybe if you're a woodwind player, you might have more solos, you know, because there's only a, a handful of each instrument there, but... Um, but string quartet is just a very intimate kind of music to play and to listen to. So this is sort of an extra musical question, but had all of you been to New York before? Um, I think uh, most of us had. Um, Did you have any time for the, you know, yeah. go get the cheesecake? and the... Oh, yeah, definitely. We got <laughs> cheesecake. We really liked uh, Rice to Riches. Give a shout out there. <laughs> that was great. Um, and uh, it, uh, let's see, we played Frisbee in Central Park and uh, rode the metro everywhere i mean it was it's just a great a full new york experience and how long were you actually there for the, the workshop uh the workshop was five days and we stayed about i think seven days i think we stayed a few extra days and and as well you should yeah <laughs> all right jacob hofer one of the violinists here uh for the roscoe string quartet and we're going to hear another movement now the third movement of haydn's same string quartet the sunrise that opus 76 and this particular piece uh, this was from a set of six that he wrote for a hungarian count so we will listen to the roscoe string quartet now with the third movement of the quartet <laughs>
I'm Stephen Cat Perry, and today the Roscoe String Quartet, the official graduate string quartet of the University of Utah, is here performing for us live. And here wrestling her cello over to the microphone is Lauren Posey. Lauren, thank you so much for coming with the group today. Of course, it's a pleasure. This is uh, an audition group. How do you form a quartet like this? You have to pay money. I'm just kidding. You have to audition, and um, there's a committee at the University of Utah that chooses us. And how long have the four of you been playing together? Too long. Um, sorry, am I too funny for this? <laughs> um, we've been playing for, together for 13, 14 months now. 14 months. Well, uh, just it's like a baby. W- just watching the little looks out of the side of the eye and the little movements as you dig into a downbeat. I, I, I heard you saying, I can play Bach better when I can see you guys. Is it because we've got you in a circle that is uh, easier to read the cues? We actually did a concert two weeks ago at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, and we did this experimental uh, performance where we played in four different galleries where we could see each other out of like the corner of our eyes, mm-hmm. but not really. So that was my comment when, hey, it's easier when I can actually see you and hear you. <laughs> Well, I hear there's a restaurant in Salt Lake City with open mic night. Yes. In your face barbecue, Pat's Barbecue. And you guys have gone there with your string quartet. Mm-hmm. Yes, we enjoy a lot of popular repertoire, as classical people like to call it. I think our favorite is Bohemian Rhapsody. I actually think, you know, Freddie Mercury aced it when he wrote for a string quartet. Well, he didn't, but it fits well with the string quartet. But my personal favorite is the bass line from Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And you get that on the cello. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I wouldn't give it to anyone else. So where do you get the arrangements, or do you make your own, or how does this work? Um, It's actually a combination. Uh, We've collected some from, you know, before we formed, and then we work together to make some. And then Jacob's wife is actually a really great arranger, Laurel Hofer, if you're uh-huh. looking for someone. And um, she does a lot of great stuff for us. I would really love to. We're going to have you guys come back, I think, sometime, because we need to share. I'm invited bar- back? What? The <laughs> barbecue repertoire we need to hear. Okay. But there are just so few string quartets written for barbecue joints. Yes, so that I, we're trying to change that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing that. We're going to hear a, a piece by Franz Schubert now. Mm-hmm. And when you are switching back and forth from Haydn to Schubert or any other writer of string quartets, is there a whole different vocabulary? I mean, can you tell who you're playing by the way they write? Absolutely. But I think for me, more importantly, it's getting into the character of the piece. And I think these pieces differ more in character than, say, writing style, because, of course, Haydn was Mm. known as the father of the string quartet, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm a cellist, so I don't know much. But um, the character of Schubert is, you know, this lead that he wrote that is just so intense. And a sunrise is, is intense, too, but I guess only if it's like after a long battle or something. I don't know. Well, we'll be hearing a piece now by Franz Schubert from his the first movement of Death and the Maiden. He wrote this in 1824. He was quite sick and realized he was dying. He was not going to get well. And this quartet not published till three years after his death, but it's become a staple in chamber music repertoire. So the first movement from Death and the Maiden by Franz Schubert. <laughs>
You're tuned in to Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and we have been listening to the Roscoe String Quartet as they perform the first movement of Death and the Maiden by Franz Schubert. Now violinist uh, Melissa Combe. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And how do you choose your repertoire? I mean, are there certain things that a string quartet just has to know how to play, and then you choose beyond that? How does it work? Well, that's a great question. Um, a lot of it comes from our experience as a group and what we individually bring. Um, obviously, we all have quartets that we love ah. um, from our personal experience. We also have quartets that are just just the core. Um, those include like Beethoven quartets mm -hmm. and especially Haydn, which we heard earlier. Um, they kind of comprise of the the great the great quartets, and we all want to play those. So do you ever end up playing one that only one of you really loves, but the other three are like, okay, we'll, you know, we're a family here, we'll do it? You know, we haven't actually as a group. Um, I'm, I'm sure it happens a lot, but um, the great thing is that we can, every time one of us is a little bit not sure of the piece, we all kind of all grow to love it as we work on it. Mm. So. so do you have a personal favorite or two that you love best? Um, that's a great question. Um, personally, I actually, I really am fond of the, the Beethoven, um, Opus 74, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's, uh, the harp quartet. Mm. Um, I, I played it once in my undergraduate, uh, undergraduate experience and I just, I just fell in love with, it. I just love how he employs the quartet in the method of a harp and... This is fascinating. Well, I love before you played that last one, you all raised your bows above your heads as in, here we go. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it was sort of like pulling out your swords before the attack. Yeah, it is an attack, <laughs> definitely. We all have this image, and, you know, we work on it, actually. We work on having the rage that it takes to start this, and there's this rage throughout the whole movement, as you can hear, and... It comes through in the second movement that you'll hear, too. Well, you've added energy with your zebra-striped shoes, too. I want oh. our listeners to know for sure that that's <laughs> adding to the experience here. So tell me, we're going to hear one more movement from Death and the Maiden. What is it about that? I mean, is it beautiful? Is it creepy? Is it passionate? Is, what do you think about it? I actually have a word for this. Um, it's What I think of it is it's emotional trauma. It's, it is beautiful, but, but there's, there's this darkness to it, and... You can definitely hear it. Um, it's a trauma, though. Definitely. Well, let's hear this second movement from Death and the Maiden. And as he was writing this at this time in his life, here's just a little quote from uh, Schubert. He said to his friend, quote, Think of a man whose health can never be restored and who from sheer despair makes matters worse instead of better. Think, I say, of a man whose brightest hopes have come to nothing, to whom love and friendship are but torture, and whose enthusiasm for the beautiful is fast vanishing, and ask yourself if such a man is not truly unhappy.
We've just heard the second movement of Franz Schubert's Death and the Maiden performed by the Roscoe String Quartet performing here live in Studio 6 on Classical 89 and BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Sonny Johnson, violist, uh, glad to talk to you for just a second. You've been playing viola, obviously, for a lot of years, and you even teach, I imagine. Yes, yeah, I do. So are you still learning about your instrument? Do you ever have those eureka moments, or do you sort of know it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely have a lot of eureka moments, and I think any musician, no matter what caliber they are, we are always having those moments where we discover something new about our instrument or ourselves or how we play. So when you were back at Juilliard and they're coaching, I mean, is it more like you all need to use more rosin on your bows or is it more like, you know, picture the meadow? And I mean, <laughs> where, where's the balance between what they do when you work with a quartet? Well, you know, it was really interesting for us. Um, when we went, obviously we're not, we're not as high a caliber as Juilliard. Juilliard is so far above us. It's actually pretty amazing. <laughs> but they, while they had every right to say things like, you need to play in tune, or you're not <laughs> together right now, because, you know, we weren't. Like, we're still, we're always working on that. And I mean, even the Juilliard Quartet, I'm sure, works on that. But um, they had every right to, to tell us that, to tell us those technical things that we could do better in. Um, but instead, they, they really focused on... Um, kind of what you were saying picture the meadow uh -huh. like the really musical things uh and what the composer was trying to get across and like why why does the harmony why did he put that harmony there and what was he trying to do um yeah instead of instead of telling us play in tune even though we were out of tune sometimes so you're all working on advanced degrees, and so I'm wondering, when you teach, the, the, the stuff you learn, you find that coming out and applying to your students as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a big part of teaching is learning as you go and, and showing your students, you know, as they're ready, uh, what you've learned and what you're even currently learning. So what was the best thing that this trip to Juilliard did for you as a player or for all of you as a quartet, do you think? I think the biggest thing for me personally, and as, and I think also the, for the group, um, it kind of helped us remember why we loved music so much, like mm. why we were doing this in the first place. We're all, we've all been in school for a really long time, and sometimes <laughs> it it feels like it's going to last forever. But it reminded us that like we chose to do this, and it's because we love music and because it means so much to us that we're continuing. Well, we're so glad you've come in. It's just a sheer joy to be in here and hear you acoustically, Just uh, and, and I'm sure all of our listeners, too, to hear the string quartet. Such an, an old form of chamber music, and still, I love that it's still so active today, that people still love it and are moved by it. We'll hear a piece by Johann Sebastian Bach. This is from his St. John Passion. He wrote several passions. Uh, this is the oldest of the existing ones we know of from this sacred oratorio. It's actually a four-part hymn, Ach Herr, lass dein lieb Englin, the English translation, not exact, but Ah Lord, when last my end has come. From the St. John Passion, here is the Roscoe String Quartet.
the Roscoe String Quartet performing from the St. John Passion, Ah, Lord, When Last My End Has Come. And that is the 40th and final section of that, the finale. It's also our finale, sad to say. That concludes another edition of Highway 89. But this hour, we've had the very talented musicians of the Roscoe String Quartet in our studio. They are Melissa Comby, Jacob Hofer on violin, cellist Lauren Posey, and Sonny Johnson, viola. A special thanks to them for being here and the standing invitation to come back and play their barbecue repertoire. I think we need to cater that one from, from the actual establishment, a little ambiance here. The Roscoe String Quartet was formed in 2012 as the official graduate string quartet of the University of Utah with Dr. Hasa Borup as the ensemble's primary coach. The quartet regularly competes and concertizes throughout Utah and also the United States, and most recently attended the exclusive Juilliard String Quartet Seminar in New York City and performed <clears throat> excuse me, at Lincoln Center. A recent honor was being named the 2013-2014 Nova Young Artists Ensemble, so congratulations. Information about the Roscoe Roscoe String Quartet, including their upcoming concerts and projects, is available at their website, roscoestringquartet.com. That's R-O-S-C-O. We welcome your comments and questions about this show, and to contact us, simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and our show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.